the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Today on Cornerstone Connection with Pastor Gary Hamrick. Real love is calling, listen, truth opens up your eyes. Mercy is waiting for you with every sunrise. People have their identities in a husband. They have their identities in a wife. They have their identities in a boyfriend or a girlfriend. They have their identities in a job or a title or a rank or a trophy or a ring. Let me tell you something. All those things eventually will either fade or fail you, but never the Lord. That's why we have to be grounded in who we are in Christ. We have to know who we are in the Lord. Because while things and people will fail us and fade away and become irrelevant, Jesus never will. And so we have to be rooted and grounded in who we are in Him. This is Cornerstone Connection, the radio ministry of Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Pastor Gary is teaching through Daniel. Where do you find your identity? As you listen to today's message from Pastor Gary, he teaches you the difference between finding identity in the Lord and finding identity in the world. When you find your identity in the world, you will ultimately be let down. The people and things of this life will fade and fail you. However, Pastor Gary explains that God never will. When you root your identity in Christ's love and what He's done for you, you'll have a firm foundation. Ground yourself in God. At the close of Pastor Gary's message today, I'll be sharing with you how you can get a copy of today's broadcast of Cornerstone Connection. Subscribe to the podcast or get in touch with us. But for now, let's join Pastor Gary in the book of Daniel, chapter 1, as he continues his message, Standing Strong in a Wayward World. Listen to me if you're a teenager in this room. When this book starts, he's about 15 years of age. When this book ends, he's about 85 to 90. And not once. It's not recorded, at least. I'm sure he's not a perfect man. Like, none of us is is perfect, right? But not once does it expose any compromise. He was true to the Lord, whether as a teenager or a senior adult drawing Social Security in Babylon. He was just faithful to God in every season of his life. So whether you're here kind of on the young end of the spectrum or the more mature end of the spectrum... You have a responsibility. I have a responsibility. And it's possible to live in Babylon without Babylon living in you. So we need to be aware of some of the tactics of seduction that Babylon employed to try to get people to conform and to be molded and to be shaped into the image of their new environment. And here are these three things I'll share with you. First was physical isolation. They would take you away from your country, your family, your language, your culture, even the worship of your God, everything familiar to you, 
And they would isolate you. They would take you off to Babylon. They would get you away. They would put separation between you and everything that was your support structure, everything that was familiar. The worship of your God, especially. If we, they figured if we can just separate you from some of that, then eventually you'll be more likely to abandon the, the way that you used to live and, and become more like us and take on our values and take on our gods and take on our language. And, but, but they had to isolate you to, to weaken you, to separate you from all the things that were basically your support structure so that they could get you to a place where now you were more malleable. You could be shaped into the image of their values and their cultures. Let me tell you, one of the first times that this is tested in, in, in modern terms, and that's when kids go off to college. Because all of a sudden you're, you're isolated for the first time. You, you might go to the same school as a friend or two of yours. Okay, you might have, you know, some kind of familiarity. But by and large, the first time kids go off to college, they're kind of isolated. They're separated from everything that was so familiar up to that point in their lives. They're separated from their family, the support structure, you know, all the things that were, you know, most comfortable and, and supportive. And now they're thrust into an environment that you better believe is going to try to shape them into its environment. And as, as a Christian, here's what, here's what happens. When a kid goes off to college, for the first time sometimes, for the first time, their faith and their values and their principles are going to be really te- be tested like never before. And it'll be in those moments that they will begin to realize who they really are or aren't. And it'll be an opportunity for them to become stronger in their faith values and principles, like Daniel, or to become more absorbed by the environment into which they are now moving. And, and, And so that's why parents, listen, lay that foundation early and repeat it often because at some point, every single one of us has to grow up and own our faith. And if that foundation is not... Le- Listen, somebody laid a foundation in Daniel's life. Because he's 15 and he goes off to a foreign country for the first time, completely separated from everything that was familiar to him. And yet he remains so strong to the Lord. Somebody, mom or dad, somebody's pouring into him. A praying grandma or grandpa, somebody is helping him to lay that foundation. You don't get strong like that in 15 short years and live out the rest of your life with unwavering integrity unless somebody has invested in you and poured into your life. And Daniel is such a guy that he's, that it's, it's like he's, he's ready. He's ready for this. Well, we all have to be ready at some point. And this doesn't just apply to kids going off to college. Every single one of us who live in a real world, work a real job, go to a real school, live in a real neighborhood, your values, faith, and principles will constantly be assaulted. This world, Babylon is not interested in helping you to grow in your faith with Jesus. That's on you. Okay? They are not, they are not going to help you. Babylon is not going to come alongside of you and say, you know, let me help you to read your Bible. Let me help you to pray. Do you want to go to church? We'll take you. The world's not going to do that. The world is just constantly going to be assaulting, assaulting, assaulting. So we have to know, okay, who we are here. Because the world's goal, intentionally or unintentionally, is to put separation between you and the Lord. That's the goal. To put separation between you and the Lord. That's the isolation. If the world, if the environment, if the culture can just isolate you away from everything familiar and everything important and, and the Lord and, and your Bibles and, and, and prayer, all this, you see, then we become weakened and we're more likely then to be absorbed into our environment, which is why it is so important. Listen, I say this not as a matter of legalism, but as a matter of just practical encouragement. 
It's important for you to stay regular in your own personal Bible study and in your own prayer times. Because if you isolate yourself in that way from the important underpinnings of your faith, then let me tell you, just make yourself more vulnerable to the philosophies and values of our, of our culture. And so don't deny it in a personal way. And let me, let me say this too, don't deny it in a corporate way. Uh, you know, we need the fellowship of one another, corporate worship, church coming together, worshiping God, encouraging one another, having corporate Bible study together. You know, being a part of God's family helps us, strengthens us to go out and face a real world and hopefully make a difference in our real world. But we need each other. This is why the writer of Hebrews in Hebrews ten twenty five exhorted, do not forsake the assembling together. Do not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing but encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Why do you think Hebrews 10.25 says that to us? Because God knows we need each other as part of a mechanism to strengthen us to face a world that's constantly assaulting our faith and our values and our principles. So don't deny your personal time of, of Bible study and prayer, and don't deny the corporate time of Bible study and prayer and worship. And, and, and let me just you know, say this too with a very pastoral loving heart. Okay, And I know you might say, well, the people who need to hear this aren't here. Maybe point noted, but also I know that, you know, this might come in handy at some point down the road. So let me just say this, receive it if it relates to you. You know, listen, corporate worship, don't forsake the assembling together, right? You have six other days of the week to work on your miserable golf game. I'm serious. I hear people like, I'm going to go golfing on Sunday morning. I'm going to go. You're not PGA quality anyway. What are you doing? You're never going to get there. Why don't you just give the Lord the first part of your week? And by the way, and this is, this is a little touchy in Loudoun County, but you have six other days of the week to get your kids involved in sports. Hello. Yeah. <laughs> I tell you what, listen, listen, you know, in the last like 10 years, the whole Sunday travel league sports stuff, it's only been like in the last 10 years. When, when our kids were growing up, they didn't have Sunday travel sports. They didn't have leagues, you know, on Sundays. And so now it's kind of a cultural phenomenon. But it used to be that sports clubs and business establishments would at least respect the Lord's Day enough not to necessarily encourage you to go to church, but so as certainly not to discourage you if you, if you chose to go. Now, it, now it's competing with us. And, and people have to make a, a decision, you know, and, and some business establishments are already, you know, people who, you know, like believers who like Hobby Lobby and, and Chick-fil-A, they're like closed on, on Sundays because they get that kind of thing, right? And, and yet, I, in all honesty, how many of you have been like hungry for Chick-fil-A on a Sunday and been mad? <laughs> like, hey, let's go to Chick-fil-A. Oh, it's a Sunday, those Christians. But, but you all get my drift, right? The, the whole point is we have to decide what's priority, What's priority in our lives? And how are the little subtle ways that our culture and our environment is trying to absorb us and put separation between us and the Lord? So physical isolation is one. Number two, they would also resort to mental indoctrination. Look here in your Bibles with me, verses, verses, uh, starting at verse 3 again. It says in verse 3, Then the king instructed Ashpenaz, the master of his eunuchs, to bring some of the children of Israel and some of the king's descendants and some of the nobles, young men in whom there was no blemish, but good-looking, gifted in all wisdom, possessing knowledge and quick to understand, who had ability to serve in the king's palace, and whom they might teach, notice, the language and literature of the Chaldeans. 
Okay, that Chaldeans is just an ancient word for Babylon, Babylonians. Through language and literature, they understood we will capture the hearts and minds of the next generation. They took the brightest young men and indoctrinated them with a Babylonian mindset so that they would be the best representatives of a Babylonian worldview. It was all intentional. It was indoctrination, language and literature. We're going to teach them language and literature. We're going to make their minds Babylonians, and then they will represent the Babylonian mindset. Now, we all understand that education can be a very powerful tool, either a powerful tool for good or a powerful tool for evil. So we have to be very discerning and recognize what is education for the sake of the advancement of knowledge, the increase of knowledge, and what is education in respect of indoctrination. Look at Nazi Germany, Hitler's youth movement of the 1930s. Millions of children and teens were indoctrinated with rewritten history and distorted biology about, quote, a superior race. Thousands of teachers throughout Germany joined the Nazi Teachers Association and believed the propaganda and spread the propaganda. So, you know, nobody can argue that all education is good. Just get a good education. There's some bad education out there. Nazi Germany is an historical reminder to us of education that is really indoctrination, used for evil. Adolf Hitler in Mein Kampf said this, quote, through clever and constant application of propaganda, people can be made to see paradise as hell and also the other way around, end quote. We have to be wise about various ways that information today is being circulated, whether it's through institutions of higher learning or through media or through the internet to convince us about things that are not true as if they were. I mean, there's even social media engineering now, we understand this, to control who sees what with manipulated feeds, manipulated search results, and sophisticated algorithms to tailor information that that they want you to see so that you will believe what they want you to believe. We have to sift through all of the Babylonian mindset with a biblical mindset. Now, let me just touch on one example, and I want to be very tender in this topic because it is certainly a topic that needs to be handled with some sensitivity. The transgender debate is something that the church needs to gently wade into because there are some hurting people and confused people who need answers in our world today. But the answers that the world is presenting on this topic are quite honestly, intellectually and biologically dishonest. Facebook, a couple of years ago, decided in their drop-down for the gender that you wanted to select when you started a profile, a few years ago, Facebook added 71 gender identities. 71. Now, after enough pushback, they decided, all right, let's just allow people to customize it and decide whatever they want to be. That is just intellectual and biological dishonesty. Because even, and I say this again with sensitivity, for people who are confused about gender identity, it will not ever change your DNA chromosomal makeup that God created you to be, either male or female. And it doesn't matter how many surgeries you have or how you personally identify. That will not change the way that God created you to be. And, you know, I I want, and I hope you do too, I want people to know the transformation of heart, soul, and mind that happens in a personal relationship with Jesus Christ so that an individual 
through a relationship with Christ, can then rest in the wonder and the beauty of the design as God originally created you, either male or female. But I can tell you, I feel the challenge of trying to present that truth because our culture and our environment is being intellectually and biologically dishonest and their loud voices are drowning out the truth that you and I believe that can be liberating to people who need it. So we're in a culture right now that is, that is struggling in regards to what is real truth. And we have to be involved enough to sift through this stuff and not just accept it because a few scientists or five justices in black robes or really smart people or even a majority of people sometimes will tell you what is true. We have to sift through all of that through a biblical worldview to understand what is up from what is down, what is right from what is wrong, what is true from what is false. Joseph Goebbels, Hitler's minister of public enlightenment and propaganda, said, quote, if you tell a lie big enough and keep repeating it, people will eventually come to believe it, end quote. We're exposed to all kinds of indoctrination. Parents, watch closely what your kids are learning in school. I, I support our school system. I support, you know, we have some great uh, Christians even at Cornerstone who were teachers in, in the public school system. But parents, you are your primary child's educator, not a person in a classroom. You are. And so learn what your kids are learning. All right, number three, I've already gone over my time, so I got I to gotta race through this. Number three is identity alteration. This is another tactic of Babylon. This is something I think that we wrestle with today. Daniel 1, verse 7, just one verse here says this. Verse 7, to them the chief of the eunuchs gave names. He gave Daniel the name Belteshazzar, to Hananiah Shadrach, to Mishael Meshach, and to Azariah Abednego. These are four Jewish young men who had strong names that they were given at the time of their births that reflected a confidence in God. Daniel's name means God is my judge. Hananiah's name means the Lord is gracious. Mishael means who is what God is or who is like God. Azariah means the Lord helps. Well, they get over to Babylon and the Babylonians are like, not going to have any of those names anymore. We're going to change your identity. We're going to give you new names. And so to Daniel, they gave the name Belteshazzar, which means may Bel protect my life. Bel was a Babylonian god. To Hananiah, they named him Shadrach, meaning illuminated by the sun god Ra, another Babylonian god. To Azariah, they gave the name Meshach, meaning who is what Aku is, another Babylonian god. And to Mishael, they named him Abednego, meaning a servant of Nebo. So they stripped them of their strong godly names and gave them Babylonian names. It's all part of the indoctrination and the, and, and, by, and the isolation and the alteration. Just, you know, how are we going to get you to be like we are? Well, we're going to change your identity. At least that was their attempt. But Daniel never lost sight of who he really was because he was grounded in, in God. He was grounded in the Lord. And let me tell you another way that they tried to mess with these guys' identity. When these guys were taken into the service of the king's court, which is where they were assigned, they were chosen, they were handpicked to serve in the king's court. Their boss, you might notice there, who's the guy who changed their name there in verse 7? The chief of the eunuchs. His name was back in verse 3, Ashpenaz. Listen to me on this. It was mandatory that in those days that if any male served in the king's court, he was made a eunuch. He was castrated so that 
There would never be the possibility that any male serving in the king's court would ever sleep with the queen, get her pregnant, and then spoil the royal line by seed that was not royal. So to play it safe, every guy that worked in the king's palace was made a eunuch. You talk about an identity upheaval. These are 15, 16-year-old guys who are made eunuchs for the purpose of serving in the king's court. I mean, that's devastating for any man, but you're a 15 or 16 young, young man coming into manhood, and this is what happens to you. They went to every extreme to get you to completely see yourself totally differently. But see, for these guys... You know, it's like, you can take me from my country, you can take me from my language, you can take me from my family, you can even remove some physical parts of my anatomy. It does not and will not change who I am in the Lord. And we need to get this too, because too many people have their identities and all other kinds of things and people, and people have their identities in a husband, they have their identities in a wife, they have their identities in a boyfriend or a girlfriend, they have their identities in a job or a title or a rank or a trophy or a ring. Let me tell you something, all those things eventually will either fade or fail you, but never the Lord. That's why we have to be grounded in who we are in Christ. We have to know who we are in the Lord. Because while things and people will fail us and fade away and become irrelevant, Jesus never will. And so we have to be rooted and grounded in who we are in Him. One last verse. What was Daniel's response to all of this? Here are the two words. You can write them down. Personal resolution. Personal resolution. All these things were coming at him to try to conform him personal resolution. Look at verse 8 of chapter 1. Verse 8 says, but Daniel purposed in his heart, NIV says he resolved, he makes a personal resolution, that he would not defile himself with a portion of the king's delicacies, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore, he requested of the chief of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Now, it's the first time, but it won't be the last time that we see the courage of Daniel's convictions. He goes to his boss and he says, with all due respect, My conscience convicts me about some of the spread here that that the king has put out. You know, all the delicacies, all this food, or all the wine. Now, again, remember, he's a teenager. What 15-year-old would refuse a free buffet and a free open cash bar? And mom and dad aren't even around. But this guy's like, you know what? See, he's living under a kosher standard as a Jew, and he's like, this food isn't kosher. No doubt this has been offered to idols. What the king says is acceptable. My king says is not. I serve a greater king than King Nebuchadnezzar. I want permission not to eat this stuff and not to drink the king's wine. And Ashpenaz reluctantly agrees, but he's like, you're going to look sickly. The king's going to be able to notice because you're going to start to get really thin. And, you know, and, he, and he goes, no, 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 just trust the Lord. And he ends up you know, being favored by God because he honored God more than indulging, right? More than indulging in all the delicacies of the world. And so God was honored because he made personal resolution. I want to honor God more than I want to enjoy all the delicacies of the world. Friends, listen, this is a guy, I'll say it again for like the third time, who was living in Babylon, but Babylon was not living in him. And may his example be a reminder to us. This world is going to try to absorb you and seduce you into its mold. Okay, we have to go out in a real world and live real lives and rub shoulders with real people. And we need to be the influencers. We need to be salt and light. 
And we need to know who we are in Christ to be unmoved and not persuaded to become like Babylon. We might be living in it, but may it not live in us. You've been listening to Cornerstone Connection with Pastor Gary Hamrick. Pastor Gary has been taking you through the book of Daniel, an Old Testament book of history and prophecy. If you have any questions about this series, the Bible itself, or the ministry of Cornerstone Connection, please feel free to reach out by calling 703-771-1500. And be sure to let us know how we can be praying for you. Again, our number is 703-771-1500. You can continue listening to Pastor Gary's messages right now as well by visiting our website, cornerstoneconnection.cc, or by downloading our mobile app. Pastor Gary also has some companion study resources for many of his teachings. These are located under the Teachings tab at cornerstoneconnection.cc and are free for you to use in your own study of the Word, including one that covers the book of Daniel. You're also invited to be part of our weekly worship gatherings here at Cornerstone Chapel. We're in the process of transitioning back into live services, so please visit cornerstoneconnection.cc for the latest information and service times, or join us online through our website, YouTube Live, and Facebook Live. Again, our website for the latest information is cornerstoneconnection.cc. Thanks for tuning in today, and we hope you'll join us again right here on Cornerstone Connection. They say you're a wandering soul That you've got no place to go But still you know